evidence and answers. Comprehensive sex education is taught in our public and many of our private schools today. What values are they promoting to our children? How can we prepare parents and our children for the challenges they will face when it comes to sexuality? You're tuned to Evidence and Answers Radio Broadcast with your host, Pat Zucran. Pat is an author, teacher, and international speaker in the area of Christian apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith. Today, Pat and former Title X training manager and volunteer educator for Planned Parenthood, Monica Klein, will conclude their interview regarding the dangerous teaching of comprehensive sex education. But the truth is, is I'm, I'm also grateful about my perspective because now I can really share that with others as well. And I still come from all of this from, from a place of grace. But I believe that many times, you know, as we know that the enemy uses a little bit of truth to then twist things around. Right. And the truth is, is are our children, even Christian children, becoming sexually active? Yes, that's true. Are they curious? Yes, that's true. We all sin. We all make a mistake. And so that is being utilized by the field of comprehensive sex education. And I think that many times even Christians who are working in that field think, well, but what about those kids who are sexually active? And so, you know, so that's a little bit of truth. And so they start to justify that this is the only way that we can help. And this is why we need to become more active, proactive as parents and as the church to address these issues. Because if we continue to wag our finger, and I'm not saying that all people do that, but if we don't know how to address these issues, if we don't know how to address the sin in a grace-filled way, then our children, unfortunately, will end up being counseled by these other organizations. And I think many of these adults are just justifying and rationalizing why this work needs to continue. And and like I said, I think a lot of times we start to rationalize and justify it because we think, well, there are issues going on in the world, the church is not addressing them, and this is a public health message that's being funded by the government. So it must be okay, but it's not. It's actually slowly harming the people in those communities. You know, and I've often thought, and I've been praying, that God will help me go back to those communities again that are considered high risk for STDs and HIV and unplanned pregnancy, because that is where the church belongs. Yeah, you're right. Well, Monica, you know, comprehensive sex education is taught in our schools and in our universities. And what is it that's being taught and and what options do parents have? Well, what's being taught is the, you know, one, it's a risk reduction message. So it's basically saying because it's a government program, it is void of, there are no morals is what they're saying. You know, we're not going to judge anybody. You can do anything that you want. We're just going to teach you how to do it safer. And I've met lots of people who feel that way, that this is a government program. We shouldn't bring your faith into it. You shouldn't bring morality into it. It's void of that. There's a lot of problems with that. So it is going, comprehensive sex education will teach about every single form of sexual activity. I mean, even if it goes as far as fetishes, whatever it may be, it goes deep into every possible sexual activity, whether you're with one person or multiple people at the same time. It will literally talk about everything, and they will teach you how to reduce your risk in all of those different scenarios. Comprehensive sex education will also do role-playing with the children. And so how do you role-play if you're in this situation, which basically is 
kind of like messing with a child's mind on a psychological level because now you're making them act out what they would say in a situation that they probably would normally not be involved in. And so there's all of these different activities that really put children in a position where they believe that this is what they need to do. For example, even teaching about using barrier methods, how to use a condom, how to put it on, and then negotiating to use it with a sexual partner. And that literally is is one of the activities, is how do you then communicate with the person you're about to have sex with that the two of you should use a condom? And so a lot of times it becomes a very erotic conversation to convince that person. So it it really puts our children in a very difficult position. And actually there is a, a survey that was put on called Teen Speak Out, and they were asked, um, these were teens who had gone through comprehensive sex education, and they were asked how it made them feel. And there was, you know, a lot of different, you know, what they thought of it, and there was many questions. And they reported back that condom demonstrations and lessons about condoms made them feel pressured to become sexually active. They basically said that, that the whole experience of, of going through comprehensive sex education made them feel that having sex in childhood was expected. And that really shouldn't be a surprise to anyone because comprehensive sex education is just that. It's about people who are sexually active, and it teaches you how to reduce your risk when you're sexually active. It doesn't address being abstinent at any point. And if it does, it's probably just one sentence that says abstinence is the only 100% way to assure yourself that you won't get a disease or become pregnant, and that is a choice but then the majority of the lessons are going to be comprehensive sex education and role-playing and working through different scenarios. So that is what comprehensive sex education is. Now, what options do parents have in the schools? Um, I believe in the state of Hawaii, sex education is required in schools, but parents can opt out. That means that you have to go to the school and ask them for an opt-out form and literally sign the line and say, I want my child to be opted out. They do not let them take this class or do not allow them to participate in this class. Some schools, you know, you want to assure that your child isn't going to be punished in any way by not attending that class, either by grade or being put in a room by themselves. So they need to have some reasonable alternatives for your child when you opt them out of attending a class. But Hawaii also has in their... I think education policy that they are to emphasize abstinence, but they still said that you can teach on contraception and barrier methods, but that you can't give them out. So those are some things that parents need to be aware of and and wherever you are, whether it's in Hawaii or the Philippines, is find out what are the policies in your state's education policies about sex education. Go to the school and ask them questions as well. But parents have a choice as well. You can advocate for sexual risk avoidance. If you actually want sex education in your, in your public school, sexual risk avoidance programs are very good. It is what most people would call abstinence. And, uh, and they do an amazing job, you know, teaching children values and uh, encouraging them to be children and, and how to avoid risky behaviors, whether it's sex or drugs or alcohol. Um, and they have been shown to be very successful. The data for sexual risk avoidance programs is very impressive. Yes. You know, Monica, at what age are the children being exposed to comprehensive sex education, you know, in our public schools? Yeah, that's a good question. 
So the comprehensive sex education organizations have collaborated to create the National Sexuality Education Standards. And they're not ratified by our government. They just named them in such a way that makes it sound like they're very official. Um, but these standards, basically, when and these are education standards for public schools. And so they suggest that this education, comprehensive sex education, begins as early as kindergarten. Wow. Yeah. And what it, at the very early stages, they talk about diversity. They talk about different, you know, diverse families, which means that they're going to teach you know, that, that families can be, uh, you know, same-sex partners and things like that. They want to address identity, which means that they're going to then also be talking about gender fluidity. And so they start with that fo- those foundational ideologies that they have, and as they get older, they continue to add more. And so much of their education, if not actually not much, their education is truly based on Alfred Kinsey's work back in the 40s. Oh, gosh. Yes, wow. and so you and you may have already talked about him in one of your other podcasts, but as you know, he, he through his unethical, abusive research, mm-hmm. he drew a conclusion that children are sexual from birth. And that's what comprehensive sex education believes. They believe that children have sexual rights to sexual pleasure. And so, Patrick... Anytime we talk about human rights, that means, you know, that if there's a human right that's being violated, there's obviously an oppressor. In this case, a child's human right to be to experience sexual pleasure would then be withheld by guess who? The parent. You know, yeah. a parent who's not wanting their children to be mm-hmm. sexually active or to experience that at such a young age. And so their belief system that children are sexual from birth and that they have sexual rights is is set up in such a way that it's really the parent who is now becoming that oppressor. And so this is why they continue to try to separate the child from the parent. And one of the things that I warn parents about are a lot of these programs that are coming up, uh, having uh, school-based health clinics where they're able to treat your child at school. Many of these health clinics are now also providing reproductive services. So they're passing out condoms and contraception. They start off very benign with just, you know, providing normal care that parents are grateful for because they're at work. But then they slowly start to do more. There's also a lot of, uh, there's a big push to want to extend school hours so that the children are at school even more hours than they are at home. And all these things are very dangerous because truly a child's identity is to be solidly created within the family. A child's identity begins as soon as that child is born is, and is in the environment with their family. And so to have a public school to start speaking into identity is very dangerous because, one, the school is really for academics. It, it's not to teach them their identity. And identity is really what they have within their family. Well, so parents need to opt their child out of sex ed at first grade kindergarten level already? Well, yeah, you know, wow. that's a good question. There are some things that you can, you can go to the school and ask your child to be opted out of. Sex education is one of them. And usually you're going to see that in middle school and high school. So that's when a third-party vendor usually comes into the school, or maybe the school itself allows their teachers to teach it. And it's usually taught for just a few weeks during a certain time of the year. And that is a time where it can be opted out. Sometimes they have extra programs that they do about anti-bullying. 
we've had some experiences here th- uh, in Texas and throughout the nation that the Human Rights Campaign has created a Welcoming Schools program, which is an anti-bullying program. But it re- what it really does is it teaches elementary school children about sexual orientation and, and uh, transgender. And those things, you can opt your child out. You have to go to the school. You need to ask about them. And if they have them, you have to opt, you know, you can choose to opt them out. But the national sexuality education standards that have been created by the comprehensive sex education organizations are different. What they're trying to do is implement those standards within the education system. So the state of Hawaii, I'm not sure what your education, state education department is called, but if that department decides to implement those standards within their education standards, now that ideology will permeate every subject of your classroom, and there is no way to opt out your child unless you take them out of the school altogether. So that is what they're moving towards. Comprehensive sex education organizations, LGBTQ organizations, what they're trying to do is to not only change policy on the local, state, and federal level, but they're also attempting to change the standards within your school system so that these ideologies are being taught in every classroom and even in the hallways. Wow. Well, Monica, what can parents do then to prepare their child as they go into this kind of arena? Well, yeah. Well, you know, this is really important. You know, it's kind of hard as as adults to even combat a lot of this. How much more difficult is it for our children? Yeah. I think that's going to have to be a personal decision for the parents. I myself, if my child was in elementary school, knowing that they would be pressured to believe these things all day, every day, I would pull them out of that school and have to find some way to sacrifice in order to to not have my child immersed in that. At the same time, though, Patrick, I think it's really important, and as someone who practices apologetics, you know, I've, I've seen how, how you do that, that we need to be able to teach our children at home because no matter where, you know, no, we, we live in the world, you know, they will be exposed to these things at some point. And so it's important that we are able to have these discussions again at home and give our children the words that they can use to defend their faith and to be able to discern when what they're being taught is a lie and when what they're, you know, and be able to discern what is a truth and what, and what is a lie. So that's really important is for to, to be, you know, involved with a ministry like yours as well so that parents can learn how to do that and teach it to their children so that the children are then able to rationally think and be logical in knowing of, you know, what is right and what is healthy. Yes, you know, and when should parents start talking to their children about, you know, sex issues? Well, my view is that we can't really talk about sex until we talk about God's foundation for all of his creation and humanity. So for me, talking about sex is just like when we talk to our children about mommy and daddy. It's not graphic. It's God blesses marriage and and talking about our roles in the family. What is the role of a mother and a father? What are those expectations? What does God expect from husbands? What does God expect from wives? To me, that is part of the education and the foundation that God wants us to learn. And you can't really talk about sex when they're older unless you've already found, you know, laid the foundation of God's creation for family and marriage. So for me, it's, you know, and my son, when he was little, I didn't talk to him about sex when he was very little, but I did talk to him about the importance of a mother and a father and God's creation of family. And as he got older, 
then we could then integrate that foundational truth with sexual intimacy. And so, you know, it, it's all being done in stages. But had I not talked to him about the role of a husband and a wife and a mother and a father before we talked about sex, then it would have all been separated. And that's what the world does. The world takes sex out of the context of marriage, out of that blessing, and they remove it. And we don't want to do that with our children. We want them to know that that sexual intimacy is a part of God's creation for marriage and family. Yes, and now that whole transgender issue and gender fluidity and all of that are being, you know, really pushed down our throats as a norm. I've seen public education curriculum for children, you know, the gender bread man and things like this. Uh, how do you address that issue with your children when it comes to issues like gay marriage and, and the transgender issue? Right. No, those are really good questions. Again, I think that when we lay the foundation of God's creation of male and female, all in Genesis, you know, husband and a wife and family, our children then have that foundation from us. They understand that. So when they begin to see, well, what about this? Then we can, with grace, of course, have conversations with our children about, you know, the world and decisions that are made outside of God's will. And so it's not a matter of constantly telling our children, this is bad, don't think about it, don't do it, <laughs> you know, but really is, well, okay, well, we've talked about these things, and, and we've talked about how God has created us, so how does this match what God, what we've discussed, you know, God's creation is? And I think the children with open-ended questions will be able to answer, well, it doesn't match. And then we can have that, that conversation about, okay, well, why is this happening, and, and what decisions, and how do we respond to a family like that? And God still commands us to love our neighbor. So this isn't about, you know, becoming angry or, or any of those things. You still protect your children, of course. But we help them along in, in being able to give them the words and to be able to logically think about how, you know, comparing God's creation to what we're seeing in the world and that we still respond with grace and with love. Well, you know, Monica, how can the church help in this area? You know, talk to the pastors and youth pastors out there. Yeah. Well, especially when I think about the transgender issue and, and when I look at the, the standards that these organizations have created and how they talk to our children about identity at such a young age, immediately it made me think about how God has taught us what our identity is. And that is so important, is that these foundational truths that, that for some reason... I think we've taken for granted that our children understand these truths, and it's something that we need to continue to do. We need to, we need to talk about it more. We need to be able to speak to our children and even in youth groups about their identity in Christ and what does that really mean. I think another thing that I've really noticed in our culture and something that, that Planned Parenthood and all those organizations do is that they reach vulnerable children who feel that they're not accepted, and they reach those children and they give them a purpose mm. and teaching them their ideology and teaching them how to speak it from the stage. Mm. And it makes these children feel special because mm. they've been taken in and they're being mentored. And I think many times in the church we've put on a program, but we haven't mentored our children. We've maybe shown them a video, but, we, but have we instilled purpose within them for Christ and for, and for Christ's kingdom? 
And I think we need to start rethinking about how we're teaching our children at home and in the church, and even adults as well, um, because that sense of purpose to fulfill God's will should be more powerful than what the world is challenging us with. And it's important because, especially with the children, because what I've told many pastors who some are, are afraid to talk about these issues, you know, in public or even within their church, because they feel that there's a target on their heads. But what I've also pointed out is that the target's not actually on the heads of adults, but the targets are on our children um, because they're vulnerable and impressionable. And so I think we need to be in prayer about what are ways that we can change how we approach these subjects in our church and in our youth group. I know I've heard some pastors talking about how they don't want to have such an entertainment-based program for their, for their young people anymore. Um, I heard an apologist um, at some point talk about how we, we teach Bible stories, but then the children think that that's all they are, are stories, and that it's not truth. And so it's really trying to get this, the word back into our children so that it's not about entertainment, but that they are truly beginning to take the word and hide it into their hearts. Yeah, fantastic. You know, Monica, as we come to our final moments here in the show, uh, what are some resources that are available to parents uh, in this area of sex education? Right, so ways that they can learn on on how to do it at home or or have a program at their church. There are several, and honestly, there's so many. The best thing they can do is come to ItTakesAFamily.org and look at my resources page. Um, They're going to find data on there. I can also post several books that have been very helpful to many of us who work in this field. And, and I think that that's going to be a big piece of it. And I think even, you know, getting into a good apologetics course like yourself, you know, the work that you're doing is very, very helpful. You know, right now some friends and I are actually reading a book called Mama Bear Apologetics and just kind of using that to help us, you know, think through how we can, at least in our role as mothers, how we can be instilling this into our children as well. Yes, you know, all the surveys show no matter what, parents have the biggest influence on a child's life, whether it's positive or negative, the parents are going to have uh, the biggest role. And so that is something that we cannot squander. And that's a, a stewardship that God has given to parents. And, you know, they can't think that, well, other people have more influence. The parents are going to have the most influence in a child's life for the rest of his life. That is true, Patrick, and actually the other side knows that. Uh, That's actually a a statistic that has not changed or a response from from young people that has not changed for decades. It's actually something that I discussed with a lot of my colleagues when I was still in comprehensive sex education, and I, in a meeting, said, listen, all the research shows that children believe, you know, or say that the people who would influence them the most on their decision to have sex or not are their parents. I said, so why aren't we reaching the parents more? And they just ignored me because they didn't. They found that to be a very inconvenient reality. But that is the reality. Our children, there is no one in this world that they want to hear from or to be guided from more than their own parents. It is just inside of us that we want to hear from our mother and father. And so our role is so important. Do not abdicate your responsibility to the youth pastor or to your pastor, or to a trusted adult, our children really want to hear from us, which is why I have It Takes a Family, because if you're nervous and if you don't know how to do it and you just need to talk it through a little bit, I would be more than happy to help you. Having your children speak to me won't help, because a year from now, or even a week from now, 
they're going to have an issue, and they need to come to you. They don't need to come to me. And so I really want to strengthen family across our nation, all the way to the Philippines and across the world, because if we can strengthen and equip our parents, we can strengthen family, and our children will reap the benefits in that. Fantastic. You've been listening to our interview with uh, Monica Klein. Monica, where can people get more information on you and the work that you're doing? Right. Well, they can visit my website at ittakesafamily.org, ittakesafamily.org. And I also have a podcast called The Monica Klein Show, and it's on Apple Podcasts. Yes, I've listened to a few of those, and they're just outstanding. So I recommend all of you to go to her website. Fantastic resources there. Well, Monica, thanks for being a guest on our show and sharing this valuable information here on Evidence and Answers. Thank you. We've run out of time. Thank you for joining us here on Evidence and Answers radio broadcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like Pat to speak at your church, Bible study, or perhaps hold an apologetics conference, give him a call locally in Hawaii. That number is 483-0586. Or you may contact him through the Evidence and Answers website. That's evidenceandanswers.org. To keep broadcasts like Pat's on the air, we rely on generous support from you, our listeners. For the opportunity to donate, head on over to our website, that's evidenceandanswers.org, and you may do so right there online on the homepage. You will also find we have a wide variety of resources available to you, everything from atheism to Zen Buddhism, including articles and additional audio for you to listen to or download. So be sure to share our website with those around you. Join us again next time on the air or online as we provide compelling reasons for faith in Christ. That's Evidence and Answers with Pat Zucran. <laughs>